0: It's very much easier if you have pressure to just fold a little bit and rationalize that I'll, I'll get this right next time and it's not a big deal. It's only one thing that isn't done with integrity. In this episode, David and Jacob ask the question, how can we balance the need to have integrity in the process of conducting user-centric design with the need to push projects we are in forward?
1: They are putting themselves in the shoes of the customer, aren't they? They are, they are describing what they believe the customer situation is. It enables you to make quick decisions and so you can start moving forward.
0: I was having an issue of having performed a really nice workshop with a lot of like really for the project high profile stakeholders and is really good and I'm really happy about the result but then you come to the sort of inevitable question how to communicate and make everyone understand that what we have is not verified it's basically just our own thoughts repackaged it's not actual customer insights
1: you look at the Inputs, you've had no customer input. You have literally sat there with the people who are in the room and extracted their thoughts, repackaged it, and tried to illustrate how maybe there's themes within what they're seeing. But it absolutely is not the customer view, is it?
0: No, and that is a really hard concept to communicate from our standpoint because we've done a lot of work to get to this point where we align on what we think is the customer. But it's not actually.
1: Well, isn't that maybe the way to approach it then? That you are you, the way you present it back is saying, okay, we have certain f- shared views of what we think the situation is with the customer, and this is what we can see. And I've always thought it's interesting to f- to push people to think about what assumptions they're making. So when we look at this picture of the customers, what what assumptions are we as a group making? Um, I think it also highlights the importance of showing how the context of each of the individual deliveries that we do as service designers. So that this workshop should sit in the context of customer engagement where things are going to be validated and that actual input is going to be gotten. Otherwise, you're right, if it's being packaged as this is the, the customer perspective, it's misleading, isn't it?
0: It really is. And what I noticed was, even though this has been the central theme of what we've been discussing leading up to this workshop, still everyone is so happy that we have some tangible results that they just want to run with it. And I, on one hand, I don't see a problem. It's good that we have a starting point somewhere we can go from to start building up the building blocks of The hypotheses, and then getting tangible stuff that we then can try out with the customers. But I notice, and it's affecting me as well, that I want to draw conclusions from what we have, and that I wish that this was the real truth.
1: It it reminds me of the exercise I did where I asked the internal team to rank things, and then got them to, and also got a customer to do the same thing, and then highlighted to them the differences. The I mean, because they're not that they are just in this particular example, they are putting themselves in the shoes of the customer, aren't they? They are, they are describing what they believe the customer situation is. It enables you to make quick decisions and so you can start moving forward. And, and that's the same sense you're probably getting from this initiative is that people, right, you, you've got this material now and actually people just want to be making progress, which is good. And and actually, we don't need to go and verify every single piece of customer information that they've said, but could you use all of the different parts you've got now and help identify as a team which assumptions, which parts of the supposed insight about what the customer wants and needs is most important to go and verify and test? And just bringing them to see that maybe there are specific parts in what the hypothesis are that they really should go to the effort of validating is an interesting step because it's not that you're ever going to want to go and validate everything or that you even could necessarily but have you now got a picture of where it's most important to go and really validate
0: that is a really good point um not looking at it as a finished result but as a starting point and I think that's the golden standard, right, for doing this type of workshop. And I think I I know that this is how I should look at it. But there's also the aspect of of communicating that to the team when they might have been, and this is not necessarily true for me in this situation, but many times developers and all the the business experts and everyone involved in a project like this They're starved for actual customer insight. So when they have something that is sort of similar to that, they just jump on it and they're really happy and excited. And there's a balance between sort of keeping the energy and the the enthusiasm for the project up and being very clear of what something is. What I've started doing is just putting a note next to the title of any material that I create. Where I just say, based on workshop with internal stakeholders from the company.
1: Well, I think you're touching on something actually more sinister. And that is a kind way of putting it is that they're starved of direct customer input. And so when they get something similar to it, they go with it. In an organization that struggles to really engage with its customers almost ever in a meaningful way that people are all too ready to take what is packaged up to be customer insight, but actually it's just an internal view as really an outside-in perspective and that they're willing to deceive themselves. And it actually makes me think that we as service designers, it's it emphasizes the importance that we do push really hard to get that outside-in perspective. Realistically, you can't get, or it's not desired, it's not that, you know, viable to get. Outside in perspective on everything. So we have to help them work out and know when it's really important to and allow things to move forward when they are safe assumptions or strong assumptions that aren't in doubt. But that we also have a duty to not let organizations get away with implying that they've been outside in when really they haven't at all. And so we are doing a huge disservice if we are packaging internal thoughts about customers perspectives as customer perspectives that's really bad it's a it's a dark pattern in service design almost
0: we've gotten to a point where the need for customer insight is recognized to the point where it's actually uh, a thing that we must have to progress projects in the whatever innovation funnel or Or process that we're following, it's very often included. Just take the Agile framework. The Agile framework is designed around user stories. Uh, I actually read a really interesting thread on a forum uh, where they were saying that UX designers uh, shouldn't write user stories, or at least it shouldn't be like a main deliverable. It should be a service to the development team rather than a a UX deliverable, and I think there's something to that.
1: So, who who would be doing the user stories? H- how ideally would user stories be coming into existence?
0: I mean, now I'm sort of just extrapolating from from having worked in some agile teams and what I've read. So I'm not definitely not an expert. And if someone has a better view of this, I'd be happy to hear uh, hear about it. But From what I know, it's user stories is a way to basically have the development team come up with a feasible hypothesis for development. And then the idea is to test that with users later. But as I see, it's never actually been intended to be the result of like a a user study, the user stories themselves. It's more like hypotheses.
1: Well, I've been directly involved in producing some user stories and I can reflect on how they came about, which is perhaps quite damning, actually, an example of how service design can be misused. I ran through a series of workshops with internal stakeholders to understand what they believed were the customer needs and pains and jobs to be done, and then took those inputs and wrapped them into user stories. That have now been packaged and are being fed into product development. Those user stories were never tested with customers. There was one co-design session with customers which were an additional input to the user stories but in the end it's a bit like a, a, a sausage. All of that meat that includes some meat that has just come from the internal stakeholders and some really prime cuts of insight from real customer research have all just been packaged up now into about 100 user stories, which are now just being fed further into the organization.
0: And that's the danger, right? I don't think, just from listening to you, it doesn't feel like the danger lies within having that, those like different quality meats and even, even a potato or two into that user story sausage, the danger is when we lose sight of what it is. I could
1: see that happening at some point in the future of some kind of post-processing of the 100 user stories that a few of them filter down into being inputs into features.
0: Yeah. And if you then forget to actually test it and be ready to reevaluate, evaluate uh, then you have the possibility of releasing a flawed product with. Features that haven't been verified in a good way. It
1: reminds me of something I read about a big difference between digital product development in B2C compared to B2B products. In B2C, they tend to be quicker release cycles. So features will be released to users. And then if they're not useful, if they're not being used, they'll be withdrawn. So there's a far higher turnover of features being released and then pulled in B2C. Whereas in B2B, features tend to be deployed and then will just stay there. So maybe it's not such a problem. If you have a a true feedback loop when features are deployed, like you do in most B2C products, then you you see what works, you learn how things are being used in practice and you can evolve things or, or pull them if they're not being used. It's higher risk in B2B when less features are pulled once they've been deployed.
0: That makes it really dangerous to lose sight of where you got the data. If it's slow release cycles and small populations of users, then it's really easy to lose track because those insights might be developed in an internal workshop and then presented to someone. And then a feature is created from user stories that came from that and that's presented to some management. It's really difficult to backpedal on that at that point when you've like uh, gotten like really strong support for a feature for example and then it's really hard to come to everyone and say yeah yeah we need to re- re-evaluate sort of the basis of why we came up with this thing and we're just going to scrap it but i think it takes a lot of just being very clear for one thing uh, about what everything that we produce is not being afraid to stand up for our integrity as designers and it's not for our sake it's for the product and have that as the the end goal i mean we we are in a sense working for our users we should be the the stakeholders for the users and therefore i think it's really important that we keep that integrity and and we don't stop pushing for it and that can be hard sometimes but i think it's a worthwhile effort
1: if we're packaging things up enabling this inside out thinking to perpetuate and flow through we're doing a disservice to to customer centricity
0: absolutely but i think also just exposing organizations to a way of working where we can actually go out and we can get real customer input I see time and time again that we, by just doing that work and including other people that we work with in that work, so they come with us and they do interviews and they do the analysis with us, we can have a more long-lasting positive effect on that company by introducing the customer-centric way of working into it. So maybe it's just a matter of keeping our integrity, but also... Getting allies that can help us push for and and call out both us when we're not really doing our job because that can happen. It's it's very much easier if you have pressure to just fold a little bit and rationalize that I'll I'll get this right next time and it's not a big deal. It's only one thing that isn't done with integrity. But if we can get help uh, from people within organizations to sort of push with us, I don't think it's an impossibility to change sort of the accountability of the user insights and also maybe potentially by doing that we help changing the flow and the rhythm of of product releases and that's where we can work with proponents of agile methodology. Uh, to, to push real user insight and come up with new ways of of doing that if it's difficult at the well, moment. I think
1: there's, it, it, break, it breaks down customer centricity into two parts. There's true customer centricity where you're really developing your product based on customer input and a true outside-in perspective. But then there's also this kind of customer centricity whereby actually what you're doing is aligning internal stakeholders around the perspective of the customer. But you're not actually getting the true customer perspective, but you're using the lens of the customer to bring focus and the team to look at things through the same lens. But it doesn't have that true customer centricity because it's not actually involving the customer. I think both have value and, and that is something service designers do is align people around mm. a common view.
0: And then essentially what you're saying, is that we can take this and we can feed that into prioritization of things we need to explore that we think can bring real value. Because that's the other side of the coin, right? We don't want to say, yeah, we need to go out and have a really open exploration at every point.
1: You you can't. You can't, can you? It's it's not appropriate and there's not the time to go and have outside-in perspective all the time on everything you have to trust what your organization knows about its customer like it's so it has to be a question of priorities about when to bring in that outside in perspective
0: yeah because i'm always gonna ask for five hundred thousand euros to go and do uh, an insane user study that I, I love doing that but we need to be humble and understand that that might not align with the business prioritization of the company.
1: And more of a problem, Jacob, is what you mentioned about having an unclear, going out to, to customer testing with something unclear that you want to find out. It, there's so much work involved in actually distilling down what specifically you want to test with particular customer engagements.
0: Yeah, and that is the, the value that I really see with the work that I'm doing right now. Is that we have a really great starting point. We can go out to real customers and test what we already know. Because the the guys that I've been talking to, they have a, a lot of experience with these groups. And some of them have even previously been in these groups. It would be foolish to not listen to what they have to say and not take in that perspective. I wouldn't be able to prioritize because I don't know. I'm not the expert of this subject matter at all.
1: often the risk is, if you rely on the internal teams, is that they have blind spots. The core team who are providing the product might have more exposure to a certain type of user group, but not really understand the context of that user group. So for example, they might really understand the maintenance engineers who are actually getting the output of the tool, but they don't understand executives or the purchasing team who are actually making decisions around what that maintenance engineer is using. So I think it's really important to see the internal team input as, as having potential blind spots and that they can be d- for different reasons.
0: That's where it gets really scary because not only are you bringing in a perspective with potential blind spots, but you're also having internal stakeholders that have invested in an idea and then it's up to us to in a like a really constructive way show that these
1: just assumptions because we're tending to deal with stakeholders who who think they have a really they think they know their customer They, they genuinely do
0: yeah and that's a trap
1: and let's be fair they do know a lot about their customer. It's not that they don't know anything. It's and they've often been working with them for years, and they were maybe even a user or a customer before. So it's yeah. it's, it's showing that it it's assumptions kind of make it sound like they've got it completely wrong, but it's yeah. more that they aren't quite right about how they're thinking about their customer or the, the, the real texture or fabric of, of what it is rather than being completely wrong. It's almost like they've got a, a shadow version or a kind of low fidelity version of a stereotype of their customer. But it's in the nuances, it's in the, the fabric that you really get the deep understanding and that's often what's, what's missing.
0: The, the risk of doing that is you you might miss something because you only run for the obvious thing that you've heard about or you've seen for 10 years and you really want to solve this one issue for your 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 friends or your your uh, customers but then what the service design methodology gives you is a way to explore the unknowns that are related to this in a structured way so by just Going for your gut feeling when you have ten years of experience, you might, as you say, have a blind spot for the unknown, and that's a risk when you're developing a product, because you might end up with a product that only superficially solves issues and doesn't go to the to core. To
1: give an example, an internal team can become almost feature obsessed. They might have a, a, a an understanding of what a user wants to do or maybe that they're feeding back that they're complaining about that you know it could be really clear customer input that a that leads the internal team to believe that a feature is needed but that's often a mistake because maybe actually it's not a feature that's needed maybe it's something in the context of the product that could be solved in a different way but because the organization is set up to solve customer problems or things they hear from the customer with the feature You become a feature factory rather than actually taking a step back and understanding the context. Maybe it's not a feature that needs to be developed at all.
0: Right. But if you're only looking at the product and you're only looking at a certain customer need, then it's the obvious way to do things, right? If you don't have the system perspective. And the system, it's funny because the system perspective is often laying within the organization. So the logical place for us to go and explore is sometimes the organization itself. As in the, cust- the,
1: the customer organization?
0: Uh, uh, both. Both. Just getting a, a good map of the whole system. What are we offering? Of Like things that we're offering that are next to the product that we're developing. What leads up to what is after basically the, the user journey, but not having that perspective. And then the organization of the customer as well. Uh, who is my boss? Who am I trying to impress? All of these things, if we don't explore them, we have no idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, so often there'll be a default answer, which will be um, a, a customer needs a new interface. You know, the, product, the product will need a new interface to meet a customer need. Or a feature in an interface, or, or, or people kind of think about the outputs from the product that the report that's generated needs to contain something because it's that the thinking is so constrained into the context of the product. That, I mean, it's it's not surprising if if you if you're a product team, you are you see the world through the context of your product, which is which is not how the customer sees it. It's a classic mistake, isn't it? The customer has a bigger job that they need to get done and are often in a context where they have different products that they're using to get that job done. They have a context of people around them who are, who are creating the demand for them to get this thing done for their organization. And the business-to-business product teams come with their product offers that are so that are cons- constrained into the context of the product not looking at that wider experience of the customer and maybe if they took if they were able to take that wider context of the customer experience the solution in the product would be different whereas if you're trying to solve it just with the product you are led to wanting to build features or new interfaces.
0: So David, from this discussion, what will you make different tomorrow?
1: One takeaway is um, when engaging with internal stakeholders, where we're exploring what they believe the customer perspective to be, to create an output of that that is framed as this is the internal perspective and highlight potential areas that are blind spots from the internal perspective, as well as parts of the internal perspective that are maybe the most important for us to validate because they they have the highest risks associated with them, or we're making decisions so clearly on them. They're so important to the rationale for doing something. So, it will help me think about how I inform, how I package up content from those internal engagements and how it's communicated.
0: I love that. I think I'm going to take that advice. And the next time I'm, I'm sort of in this position, I'm just going to frame everything as questions, nothing as statements. And I think that might help me. We've heard this. This means that we need to figure out this. What is leading up to this or what are we really hearing here?
1: Another thing that I'm going to take away from it is some, when possible, it's better to take the the more common business to consumer approach whereby you can actually test and release features and get things tested quickly and iterated and try to push the development organization to do as much of that where possible but where it's not possible to take a different approach to make sure there is the customer insight.
0: Yeah, because it might actually be possible to... And I think doing that, I think aligning with Agile methodology and the proponents of that is just an awesome ally to do that. Yeah, that
1: is what Agile methodologies are trying to push. So yeah, they become a key ally in that. So maybe we could even take some of the outputs and if they are suitable to be pushed forward more in the development and tested later we don't we are not flagging that they need to be validated now so maybe there's categories there's there's assumptions which are safe to be made assumptions which are high risk to be made and should be validated through upfront customer research and there's others that are actually related to things that could be tested more easily in the product and developed that way
0: and the only question you would sort of need to have answered by that point is, if we make something out of this assumption, how much will it cost us if, if we're wrong? Oregano. Cool. I actually really enjoyed this discussion. It's super valuable.
1: Yeah, it really is good for how we can frame the work we're doing. And really to think about this, because you're often in just delivery mode where you're just producing and keeping stakeholders happy and making things feel like they're moving forward and you can lose the bigger picture of what you're really trying to achieve with customer centricity
0: when david speaks about features in b2b contexts he's referring to a long-going discussion on the internet and we're gonna link some of the resources uh, that we've taken part of in the description below